Uh, if you've uh, been around this morning, you've been hearing a lot about this thing called 929. And 929 is a part of a Holy Spirit series that we started last week. And really, 929 is a simple thing. Uh, it is at 9 o'clock a.m., 2 p.m., and then 9 p.m., we uh, set an alarm to say one thing. Holy Spirit, I'm listening. Speak. And you've heard Kyle talk about it. You've heard other people talk about it. Maybe you've even experienced a little bit about what the Holy Spirit might have been doing uh, in your uh, life this week. And so we want to encourage you to do that. Just to right now, you can do it as I'm talking. There's no shame in that. Pull your phone out uh, and set up three alarms. And uh, we just want to invite you to that. And especially if you're saying like, uh, this is really not for me. Hey, join us this week. If you're like, man, I've messed up this week and missed so many. I've snoozed or dismissed the Spirit. Hey, join us this week. Or if you're new and starting uh, and meeting us for the first time, set the alarms and start this week. What we really want to do is this year is to find and follow Jesus together. And this is one of the ways this year we're starting it off by finding and following Jesus together. Um, and so join us in, in doing that this week and love to hear your stories as this series progresses of how the Holy Spirit is moving in and through you because uh, God is going to do something amazing. And God does something amazing uh, in my life twice. Uh, November 18th, 1983 and July 20th, 2000. Those are two important dates in my life and those are two dates that uh, I found life. I can't tell you much about the first one but I can tell you story upon story about the second one. The first one, November, was just the first day that I drew breath. The second day, the second day, July, was the time that I drew breath for the first time fully into what God has called me to be, a follower of Jesus who finds and follows Jesus. And that is what we're talking about this morning, is that for some of you, you might be saying like that, like, how many of you, like, if you've participated in the 929 challenge, like, how many felt really good on day one and two? Nobody else's hands. It's just me. Awesome. Great! Mm. Four and five? Okay, I feel you. Like, day six and seven? Like, this is the thing that we were talking about this morning. Five, like, if you notice, like, my hand went down on four and five. Because I really... How do I just say this as a pastor? Just really, just bluntly. Four and five changes. Something changes. Changes from the thrill and the excitement of it to the obligation of it. And this is what we see this morning when we are in our text in, um, in John chapter 3. If you want to turn with me there, as you see this story played out uh, with Jesus and a guy named Nicodemus. So this is John chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. If you have a Bible, I'd encourage you to put it on, uh, open it up, uh, whether it's you have it in your hand or you have it on your phone. Um, we always want to look at the text together. And if you don't, it'll be on the screen as well. So this is the story uh, we talk about with Jesus and Nicodemus. It says this. Now there was a Pharisee, which is a religious man, named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. And he came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the signs that you are doing if God were not with him. And Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they're, when they're old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. And Jesus answered, 
Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of both water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth, or yeah, flesh gives birth to flesh, but Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying this. You must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. This morning, we're talking about this interaction with Nicodemus. And we're actually truly talking about using this story as the impetus of where we're going in this series. And we're starting it right away because the truth is that we are human beings and sometimes we do things out of obligation or expectation, right? Nicodemus is showing up to Jesus because there's something interesting about Jesus that in following uh, the, the Old Testament law, there's, Je- there's something that Jesus says that he's the fulfillment of the law and there's something attractive about him. So Nicodemus goes to him and says, how, how are you doing what you're doing? We know that you're from God, but tell me what I need to do in order to get into the kingdom. And Jesus says that unless you're born again, you can't be a part of the kingdom. And what we're talking about is that being born again, what Jesus is saying to Nicodemus is that being born again is not about obligation or expectation, but it's about transformation. Like that, even that mysterious answer from Jesus is that, that you can't be a part of the kingdom of God unless you're born again. And then Nicodemus is like, hello, do you not know anatomy, Jesus? Creator God, you don't know anatomy, you made it. You can't go in your mother's womb a second time. And he says it again, unless you are born again, you cannot be a part of the kingdom. Transformation. And that's what that second date for me was. The July 20th, 2000, I was at a conference uh, called Chick, formerly known as Chick, now it's called Unite. And on Thursday night, um, we had the last service of the night. Everything was, um, the speaker was great, worship was awesome. And then they did something expected. They let us out of the room, and then they reconfigured the whole stage and put everything in the middle. And they were going to participate in the, uh, the practice of communion together putting the, the cross, a huge cross in the middle of the room. And they said, you, God has been talking to you this week. God has been working in you. And what we want to do is literally this, <laughs> we want to create a space for you to engage the Spirit. It's spe- the Spirit is speaking to you. And so they encouraged us to kind of participate in communion, but also to talk to our leaders, our pastors, about what God had been doing in you. And I, in that moment, they started playing uh, music. People started taking communion, and I was taking that time, right? I grew up in church, and I know what that meant, right? We do it. You take room. You pray. You do confession. You take that room. And I remember this vividly, is that in that space, a thought dropped into my head that only the Holy Spirit would know. And the Holy Spirit said, stop playing games. And I knew exactly what that meant. Not because I was a soccer player or I was an athlete and I, and I played a lot of games. I knew that because I knew for up there to 16 years of my life, growing up in the church, I was playing a game of church. Doing what everybody had expected of me. Showing up Sunday after Sunday, going to confirmation, going to youth group. I was doing everything. And in that moment, the Holy Spirit spoke and said, stop playing games. And so I went down and I took communion, and then I came up and talked to my, my youth pastor, and I was like, about what I heard. Because, you know, sometimes when the Holy Spirit, like, moves in you, you if for the first time, you kind of get freaked out. 
You're like, what in the world just happened? That wasn't me. Something else. Like laid on my head, because that's not even what I was thinking about. And so I talked to, to my youth pastor, and my youth pastor, who had known me for a long time, said this. And it's no magic words. It's nothing like um, just a structure of phrases that you say that changes everything. But he said this, what I'm saying to you, is that it's not about what you can do or how closely you can follow the rule of what is expected of you in this religion called Christianity. It's all about a relationship. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, what you experience now, what you experience now in your life, in your head, in your body, as you felt it all over, is this transformation from a religious experience or a religious following like Nicodemus, who was a religious leader following the rule of um, Judaism, and then into a relationship with Jesus. Everything was transformed because what you did means nothing and fell apart because of who you have now met and experienced. And everything changed. And that's what we're talking, this is what Jesus is trying to get Nicodemus to understand, is that you follow a religious law, a religious duty, fasting, eating, doing whatever you're supposed to, and on the outside, on, on our, uh, from Roman authority, from everybody, they recognize you as someone who's doing it right. But what I'm telling you, is you're missing the mark. What I'm telling you is this is why Nicodemus is coming to Jesus. This is the difference. He's saying, I've been following a religious law and something feels not full. Something feels lacking. Something feels like you have a bucket and there's a hole in the side and it never seems to fill up. Maybe you feel like that. I encourage you is what are you doing in the process of having this religious experience and expectation that you've had maybe coming for years, decades, days, weeks? Maybe this, this week with the 929 challenge has felt like a religious experience and like I didn't come for a religious experience. I'm telling you the difference is the transformation you find in a relationship with Jesus. This is how everything changes. This is how, what, when I feel like this week that I am all up for the challenge of opening myself up to the Holy Spirit at 9 a.m., 2 p.m., and 9 p.m., is when I am in a relationship with Jesus. That's when I'm seeking after a relationship with Jesus. When I feel like I want to snooze or dismiss the alarm for the Holy Spirit— It's because I'm doing it out of a religious obligation. Because I know that maybe I'm going to show up this Sunday or next Sunday or Sunday after that, and Austin's going to be like, how's 929 going? And you're like, well, I prayed. I I didn't hear anything, but I kept doing it. At Pine Lake, we're not about this idea of doing it for the sake of doing it. What we're saying is that, and Nicodemus is a perfect example. It's like, we're not in, I didn't come so that you could do over and over what you should do and do and do. I came so that you might have a relationship with me. That Jesus didn't die on the cross, didn't say this separation between you and God is not fulfilled by a religious obligation or expectation or how closely you can follow the law. Jesus said, I died so that I could be in a relation. I died so that this chasm that separates you from God is going to be bridged by me laying my life down. And I don't even have to, 
but I'm willing to do it so that you can be restored and redeemed into a relationship with God. And that from this moment, even though that Jesus isn't here, that I'm going to restore you into a relationship through the Holy Spirit. And this is why we're starting this way. Because some of us, yes, we love Jesus because he's a physical person, right? Historically, we can know that he lived here. We can see how he lived. But sometimes our following of Jesus feels empty because we're not in a relationship with the one he sent you to be in a relationship with. Remember last week he said, it's better that Jesus goes away so that he can send you the Spirit. So you, in the same way that the disciples were in a relationship with Jesus, now you and I can be in relationship with the Spirit. The reason why this feels empty, dull, an obligation, something that doesn't excite you, is because you're living post-Jesus in the same way that Nicodemus was. We're living post-Jesus religious experience. Not free to be in relationship with the Holy Spirit. This is what it means. And in that moment that we transform our life, when God does the transformation that only he can do through the blood of Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, when we are born again of the Spirit, not of the flesh. And this is why it's so important on the Christian witness. You don't maybe need to know like your day and time. Like I just know that. But my question that a pastor asked me is like, if you have no idea in a season of life where you were transformed by the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the question that he posed to me and the question that I posed to you is have you been transformed? Or are you fulfilling a religious experience so that you can get into the kingdom and be with Jesus? The Holy Spirit wants to speak to you, not because of just it's a power, of uh, a tapped power that you just don't have access to that can make your prayers a little bit stronger. It's a person that you're in a relationship with that makes and understands that Jesus isn't just someone who lived a good life, but that he actually is alive. Like, that's a part of transformation and relationship, is that you don't have a relationship with a dead God or a dead being. The whole, Jesus is alive, and the Holy Spirit is present and alive and working in and through all of creation, including you. But he wants to have a relationship with you. He wants his followers of Jesus to say, I didn't come to die the death that you deserved so that you have my life, so that you can just go through the motions. The Holy Spirit is too good, too big for that. And you might think like, is this just something that Nicodemus experiences. And sometimes we as a church like to live fully into the New Testament, right? It's, it's Jesus. It's what it looks like to follow Jesus. When we talk about it being a church that finds and follows Jesus, our natural inclination is to go to the New Testament. You found Jesus, and now it tells you how to follow Jesus. But this is the great thing about a relationship. The same God who is the same person of Jesus, who is the same person of the Holy Spirit, is consistent throughout that 500 years before that, 500 years before Jesus showed up, that God spoke to the prophet Ezekiel and said this, listen, 
And, and, and here, if Jesus' words don't ring incredibly true in and through you. For I will take you out of the nations, and I will gather you from all countries, and I will bring you back into your own land. And I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities, from all of your idols, and I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you the heart of stone, and I will give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my loss. When you're in a relationship, like this is the God of the Bible that is talking about the Spirit before Jesus even says, I'm going to send the Spirit. The same God is existing in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit, even before he sent the Son and sent the Spirit. That the prophecy that I am going to put you in a relationship with the Spirit, and I'm going to tell you before it even comes, So that when it comes, now you'll recognize that the same thing that I'm talking about the Israelites doing, I'm going to do you, do for you as Gentiles. For you and I, me and you. That the same thing that God wants to do for his people Israel is the same thing he wants to do for you. He wants you to call you to a life of transformation. Into a relationship with the Holy Spirit through the the blood of Jesus Christ. And then he wants to rework all your priorities. Right? Some of you might be like looking at that and it's like, where in the world is that God is going to give you a new heart? Going to, give a, going to give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. And that new heart and that new spirit is going to move you to follow. Find and follow all my decrees and to be careful to keep all my laws. Great way to say for us today, take out the religious words, that he's going to put a new heart in you, a second birth, a transformation. You can't take your own heart and put one back in. Jesus can. Puts a new heart in you and puts a spirit in you so that all your priorities are reworked. This is literally what happened. When transformation comes through the power of the Holy Spirit because of you found Jesus and now your desire is to follow Jesus is that you open yourself up to being moved by the Spirit and he reworks all your priorities. He reworks all your priorities so that what you once loved, you now have a new love. That for once you had certain inclinations of what you wanted to do impulsively, and now you have new inclinations because of the heart and the spirit that is put in you. That once you had certain allegiances to certain people based on what they could do to you or for you, and now you have new allegiance to the King Jesus and to the living Holy Spirit. You had an old nature that was bound by sin, bound by what you couldn't do to reach God, and now he has put you a new nature in you. One he calls a saint. Now, the principles that you used to have, that you used to live life, life, that used to guide your day, now you have new principles. New principles of grace, mercy, forgiveness, kindness, 
goodness. If you don't know where I'm going, we'll talk about it in a couple weeks. You have new affections. The old things that used to be infatuations. Oh, don't go there, pastor. Oh, my infatuations have now been replaced with affections. Affections to see God move in the spirit, to transform lives, to things that they go, ooh, the things that woo me. Trust me, I still have infatuations. Put a plate of Mexican food in me. I'm like, oh, move me. Anybody else now? <laughs> but you have now new affections, new affections that says, man, I don't want to just show up at church because I'm going to sing a couple songs, we're going to hear a word, and then we can say hi to people and then go away. No, I'm going because I know when I show up at that place with those people who have the same principles, the same um, affections, the Holy Spirit's going to do something, and we're going to say, move Holy Spirit. Things are going to go from one thing to another. Transformation is going to happen as I want to see it. You go from new aims, from old aims to new aims, things that the goals that you had in life, things that you were striving after. And like Paul says, those things have all fallen away, and now I have new aims. It doesn't mean that those things fall apart, exist. But my ultimate goal, aim and goal in life is to find and follow Jesus It's so hard to balance those things, but it's a root and conviction that lives fully deeply in my life. It's to say to my kids, I really, 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 really want you to do well in school and to succeed, have friends and all those things. But over and above that, my aim for you is to find and follow Jesus. That's all I want for my kids. My kids can be paupers as long as they find and follow Jesus. My kids can be highly successful as long as they find and follow Jesus. At the root of that, what I will tell my kids all the time, and I tell myself, is that all those things are good, but they don't matter if I haven't found and followed Jesus. Nothing. And I do that because I see the transformation. I have new aims, new goals, and new priorities. The priority set within me is to say that when we talked about growth groups, I want to find different settings where I gather with people in order that I am finding and following Jesus in this consistent cycle. This consistent cycle where you're saying, like, it's not linear that I have found Jesus and now I'm following Jesus. But as I show up in different places and watch the transformation of God happen in people's life, in my own life, is that even in every one of those moments, I found Jesus. I found Jesus in different places, in different rooms, because Jesus shows up, begins transformation in my life and other people's life, and I say, I found Jesus that day, and from that moment, I'm following Jesus. This is the beautiful thing about finding and following Jesus. It doesn't happen once. It happens cyclical. And if you haven't experienced that, ask somebody. Ask somebody their stories of where the the Holy Spirit showed up, and they saw and found Jesus in that moment. And even though they had already known him, they had already given their life, they've already seen transformation, is that everything changed from that moment in their following of Jesus. This is why it's so good. This is why the gospel and why putting ourselves in the posture of being present to the Holy Spirit is so good. Because it rewires everything. It rewired in everything in my life. It doesn't mean it's going to be easy. I came home from Chick. Now unite. And right away, 
I don't know if like, I grew up in the South, so this might resonate for some people that know the South. Um, but I get home and they go, the moment you get off the bus, my whole, my pastor, youth pastor said, the moment you get off the bus, the devil's waiting for you. <laughs> I was like, are we going Pentecostal up in here? Do I need like some, are you going to start like sprinkling holy water as we come off the bus? Look, yeah, spirit out. Like, right, like I was like the devil, my mom always said that too. She's like, you choose Jesus the devil. And I was like, mama, why are you getting like this? But true, the moment you see transformation and you prioritize a relationship and that relationship then rewrites your priority, guess what? We're going to talk about them later. The devil's ready for you. You have a huge bullseye on your life. I've already heard it from people. Man, I found and followed Jesus, and I've started to try to follow Jesus on this, you know, better and reorient my life and my priorities. And right after that, something happened. My cat died. My kids got sick. I got a cancer diagnosis. Or it might not be that bad. Man, I started, I found Jesus and I started following, but then my life got really busy. The devil doesn't need to make you hurt. He just needs to make you busy. And that's what he did. The f- first week off the bus, we decided to have a reunion because my <laughs> youth pastor knew that the, tr- the truth in that statement, the devil was coming. So he decided a week later to do like a kind of little reunion. That gathering lined up really well, perfectly in time um, with our big um, back-to-school bash that was going to happen at a friend's house. And if you're in high school and you know what that means... It means that things are there that you shouldn't be there. So in that moment, I'm making a choice. I'm in my car. And I'm like, man, I don't want to do social suicide. So I started growing. I start going. I start driving there. I just tell myself, I justify it to myself. I'm only going to show up for a couple minutes. And then I'll leave. Right? I'll show up. I'll do the rounds. Right? I'll, I'll do what I'm supposed to do. And then I'll leave. And then I'll go uh, to church. On the way there. Have you ever done this? Like, and maybe it's because, you know, you just want to, like, be a terrible driver. But you sit in that left lane far longer than you should. You had many opportunities to go and to turn in, but you just keep waiting. Because you just feel like you can't make that turn. I felt like the Holy Spirit was saying, don't make the turn. I even had friends texting me. And yes, I'll admit, you know, back when I had a phone, the flip phone, and still would receive texts. And my friend would be like, hey, are you coming? And like a bad person, I was reading that text while I was driving. I was just like, don't go. Don't make the turn. So I did a U-turn. And I kid you not, not joking. This is, this is not a pastor elaborating stories. I turn around and in my rear view mirrors, six cop cars are turning down that street. And I show up the next week at school and I hear the stories. People arrested because they were doing what they shouldn't have been doing. I didn't turn around out of obligation to my friends at church. I knew them. I didn't know them that well. I liked them, but I didn't like them that well. I turned around because the Holy Spirit was speaking, affirming the transformation that happened on my life in July 20, 2000, that I started that relationship with Jesus that week, and I was listening and sensitive to the Spirit to listen and say, don't turn 
Don't turn. This is what we're doing. If you haven't experienced this, not as a place of shame, but maybe as an opportunity, as an invitation this week to say, I don't, I haven't felt Jesus. I haven't felt the Holy Spirit in a long time. My encouragement was to you is just to say today, maybe it's today that you actually surrender everything. That Jesus is not just the Savior of your life, but he's the Lord of your life that can tell you, stop, don't turn, go the other way. Maybe this is the day. Maybe January 15th, 2023. Whether you've been finding Jesus and following Jesus for 30 years, but you've been following an expectation, a religious experience. Maybe today is the day that you say, I'm going to find and follow Jesus. Fully transformed, fully into relationship, fully rewriting the priorities that align with Jesus because he's better than I dare dream or imagine. I've seen it in other people's lives and now I want the same thing. And maybe I want the same thing for my spouse. Maybe I want the same thing for my kids. Maybe I want the same thing for my friends. But they can't see it unless it starts with you. Would you join me in prayer? So God, in that place... To now is not a time where we um, come with a magic phrase, right words. But God, we come with a heart that says, this old thing is dying out. I need a new heart, and you're the only one that can give it to me. And so maybe you're right here, and maybe this has been your experience. And you need to say for the first time, I want, I want what... I see in scripture. I want what I see in Jesus. Maybe we're Nicodemus. But God, this morning we say to you, I lay down. I lay down my expectations, my obligations. I lay down the sin that puts me in separation from you. And now I say, Jesus, I want you. I want that transformation I see around me, that I see in people because of you. So God, will you both be my Savior? Would you be my Lord? Would you send the Holy Spirit upon me so that today I leave differently for the first time, transformed by the person of Jesus, his sacrifice, his love for you, Or maybe you've known Jesus for a long time. But today maybe is a day that you've found him again. And he is so sweetly saying, come, follow me. I pray that you would say yes to the Spirit's movement in your heart and in your head right now. He's speaking. The Spirit is here. Holy Spirit, come. This is your house. We are your people. We ask this in your name. Amen.